Jose, I say, Jose, it's time to wake up. Oh, buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's Joe time. So it is. Pierre, you rascal, you. Let's put on the show. Mon ami, I am always ready, as you say, to put on the show. Oh, pardon, madame. That whistle was for my good friend, Fritz. Ach, to lieber, I almost fell out of my upper perch. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. To paraphrase what Sam the American Eagle would say, it's a salute to all things Walt Disney, but mostly Walt Disney World. A former cast member, a longtime lover of the parks, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective about the Walt Disney World Resort. Now please remain quietly seated throughout our tour, and we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. Our podcasters are frightfully sensitive to bright lights. So put on your virtual mouse ears, sit back, and relax, and enjoy the podcast. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View. I'm Dave, your host, of course, and this week I've got another full slate of Disney news for you. We start off with it being the end of an era in uh, Walt Disney World. And that era, of course, is the grad night that was offered to high school seniors around the state of Florida. Now, for those of you who don't live in Florida or don't know, grad night is an opportunity for seniors to come, typically to the Magic Kingdom, though I guess they've extended it out to other parks over the course of time. But what they did was open the parks up, starting at about 8 o'clock at night for uh, high school seniors to come in and just enjoy the parks without any other guests in the park. So it's an evening of revelry and merriment, uh, sort of celebrating your graduation. And it happens over the course of about three weekends in the uh, in the spring, uh, around the end of middle of May to the end of May. And the way they do it is they close the parks on Friday and Saturday nights, starting at around, I think, 7 o'clock for guests, for traditional guests. And then the seniors would come in around 8 or so. And it would be a, a fun night of just uh, having musical acts come in, having food set up at different stations, and uh, really having some fun for the seniors. Now, I remember going to this back when I was a high school senior, uh, and that would have been back in <clears throat> 1984, and it was a really good time. It was really fun. You just go in, the park is open to you, you had to wear a jacket and a tie, and you'd go around and just uh, be able to experience the entirety of the Magic Kingdom, but there were no adults in the park, other than the cast members, of course. But you'd go around and just be able to uh, to have some fun uh, just being yourself and just enjoying the friendships you had with other with other seniors in your high school and some other kids from other high schools, of course. And it really was a good time. You got to see musical acts that are current and popular at the time. Uh, Disney is really good at bringing in those acts. And so you'd just uh, be able to be there until about, um, oh, I don't know, maybe it ended about 2 or 3 in the morning, and then you'd head back to your uh, school and, and go home. But it was a really fun way to spend, uh, sort of enjoy your last moments as a senior in high school. I was amazed as a student how well Disney really maintained the uh, level of safety and security and made sure that everyone was well behaved throughout the entirety of the, of the evening. 
Then about eight years later, in 1992, I became a cast member and got to work grad night. And it was a really fun time to be there and working grad night. And I worked uh, all three weekends and had some fun. My Everyone has a specific job they're going to do. And they bring on extra people to do security and uh, do, do different uh, crowd control things and making sure that people are wandering around the park ensuring that the seniors are behaving themselves. My particular duty station was a little unusual. I was in a tractor trailer that was parked out behind the Emporium. And my job was to make sure that we had merchandise to sell in the, in the Emporium. Now, when it became grad night, what we would do is we would change the entire store over to make sure that we had uh, merchandise that supported the grad night. So we'd have mortar boards and t-shirts and hats and uh, Mickey plush toys and different things that celebrated the event. We'd spend a couple of hours before the park closed starting, I think my shift was a four to four shift, so it was a 12 hour shift and yes, I got paid overtime, which is always a bonus, but I would go out and uh, show up about four o'clock in the afternoon and start uh, doing some prep work. There was a whole team of people, a whole crew that was out there that was getting ready for uh, for grad night. Now, I would be the lead that was running the uh, trailer at that point. And, you know, we'd have a whole bunch of lights set up in the trailer, and my job was to make sure that everything came out of the trailer and we always had uh, merchandise on the floor. But for that period from about 4 to 8 o'clock, I'd be doing some of the prep work. I'd be helping out just get everything ready. So here I am just bagging up all the uh, plush toys so we can get them out there, uh, hanging any merchandise that needed to be hanged, uh, just kind of get, getting pre prepped for it. And then at, at about 7.30 or so, maybe quarter to 8, we'd go out into the uh, store, we'd clear out some of the shelves, and start putting out the grad night merchandise. And I'll be honest with you, if you were a student coming in the park, you wouldn't know that earlier in the day, even an hour before, it was uh, configured to be a regular uh, store, just as you would see it as a, as a regular uh, guest. But then uh, at the end of the night, about 3 o'clock in the morning or so, we'd put everything back. So when you were a guest coming in the next morning, you would never know that it was set up for grad night the, way, the day before. And this happened throughout the park. I mean, this was my small area that I worked with, but throughout the park, you'd have things changing over. You'd have uh, different stations set up for, you know, like desserts and different things around the park. They would go away uh, and come during grad night. And this would go on, and it was just a remarkable effort to get everything uh, done. I would even call it Herculean because of the number of things that happened and the number of activities that had to transpire to, to uh, make it work. So my job was pretty much just to stay in the trailer and you know just make sure we had merchandise. And so the cool thing about it for me was I got to hear all of the acts that were either playing by the castle uh, or over in, the, um, in Adventureland because there were acts different places. And if I had a break, I might wander over and get to hear something in Tomorrowland too. But uh, it was kind of neat to be able to see that. And you got to see the performers come, quote-unquote, backstage or into the tunnels. And occasionally you got to interact with them just a little bit, which was kind of fun. You know, just talk to them for a couple of minutes. And it was really kind of neat. And from this perspective, I got to see just how much effort went into making sure that we had a good show for the high school seniors. And it really was a really fun event. And I thoroughly enjoyed working the event. Now, I did enjoy going as a senior. But because of the fact my friends kind of ditched me, there's a whole story around that I don't want to get into particularly at this time. Uh, it was related to girls. Trust me, this is high school. It's related to girls. But my friends kind of ditched me, and uh, I was on my own. And this was my first solo trip in Disney. So it really was kind of an experience for me as a, a senior. And then, again, as a cast member, it really was a different experience. And it, it was a lot of fun. It's one of the more fun experiences I've had as a, uh, as a cast member. 
you know, just to be there and be a part of it and kind of step out into the store once in a while and see all the seniors running around. You know, here it was, I was eight years removed from high school and seeing the seniors and remembering what it was like for me and thinking, oh my God, was I really like that? It was kind of an interesting time. Now, there is one little piece of memorabilia that I did manage to procure. I did get myself a grad night hat that I still wear around uh, proudly every once in a while. It sort of reminds me of the time of the time I was working there. It's kind of neat, and it's my own little remembrance of what it was like to work there and be a cast member during grad night. And now that they're uh, ending grad night, uh, I'll have a, another memory of it, just something to remember it by. Now, as for the high school seniors that are up and coming, uh, they will, Disney will be offering special park passes for them to come back whenever they want. Uh, and I guess, you know, this kind of changes the way we think about grad night. You know, this was really a, a rite of passage for those of us who lived in Florida. And uh, for those of us who have children in Florida, it's going to be interesting to see how what their reaction is going to be because they won't have this same experience. The park has kind of outgrown grad night to a large degree. Being a smaller theme park and less well-attended than it, than it is today, I can certainly see how they offered it and what they wanted to do to draw people in. But it's expensive to bring in all the uh, acts. It's expensive to close the park uh, in terms of opportunity costs. So I certainly understand why they would change it. But uh, I will miss it. I'll uh, always remember it fondly. Next up is a little bit of news about Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. Walt Disney World is apparently preparing an expansion to the uh, Grand Floridian. A permit application was submitted to the South Florida Water Management District, which describes a six- to seven-story T-shaped building that will be connected via a covered walkway to the existing Grand Floridian. The speculation, naturally, is that the building will be used for a Disney Vacation Club uh, timeshare. It has all the markings of it, said Tim Krasniewski, the publisher of DVCnews.com, a news website for Disney timeshare owners. Disney is currently peddling units in three open timeshares in Disney World. That would be the Bay Lake Towers, over at the Contemporary, Disney's Animal Kingdom Villas, and Disney's Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa. Of course, Disney also has an under-construction uh, timeshare in Hawaii named Alani, which is the first major resort Disney has built that isn't tied to a theme park. And that's scheduled to open in phases, with the first phase opening this fall. Next up, we move over to the Disney Hollywood Studios. Star Tours 2.0 is going to be opening for Star Wars Weekends. It's actually going to open May 20th, which is the first of the Star Wars Weekends. For those of you who aren't aware of what Star Wars Weekends are, it's a couple of weekends, uh, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, in the late May and early June time frame, uh, in which the studios becomes a haven for all things Star Wars. For those of us who are Star Wars geeks, it's, uh, it's a mecca. It's a great place to go, and you really get to experience something different. Uh, one part of the park is set up to be the Rebel Alliance, while the other part is Sith-dominated, and you can find most of your char favorite characters around from the Star Wars saga, as well as a Jedi Mickey, uh, roving clone troopers and stormtroopers, Jawas and sand people wandering around. And it's, it's a great time for Star Wars geeks. I'm going to have to do a whole show about uh, this particular event. It's really pretty neat. If you're a Star Wars geek, it's really pretty cool. So Star Tours 2.0 will be opening, opening in time for Star Wars weekends. And uh, the way it's going to be set up, it's going to promise the possibility of 54 different experiences uh, within the uh, attraction. The attraction will be set between the Star Wars prequels and the original trilogy, 
and it's going to update the 1980 simulator with a high definition 3D technology and special effects. Riders aboard the new Star Tours will experience a randomized storyline throughout the ride, resulting in a different beginning, middle, and end of every journey. So, in reality, if you go on this ride multiple times, there's a strong likelihood that you will never see the same ride twice. In the new ride that's dubbed The Adventure Continues, participants board the Starspeeder 1000 transport ship and join a pod race on Tatooine, fly above the skyscrapers on Coruscant, battle Boba Fett through an asteroid field within the fictional Star Wars universe. And there's also the possibility that they may include the Wookiee planet of Kashyyyk, an unfinished Death Star space station, Queen Abadala's home planet of Naboo, and the snow-covered planet of Hoth, though none of those have been confirmed at this point. A commercial is planned for the Star Wars 2.0 Q uh, that advertises getaway packages to the peaceful world of Alderaan, the cloud city of Bespin, and the forest moon of Endor, but it remains unknown if the ride will visit these destinations. Confirmed Star Wars 2.0 characters include Darth Vader, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2, Yoda, Boba Fett, and Admiral Akbar. In addition, two new droid characters have been introduced. Uh, they are AC-38, or Ace, the Starspeeder pilot, and Ali Sansan, who's going to be a spokespot. Now, I have to say, I've seen some concept art for it. I think it looks pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing it and hope to make it to Star Wars Weekends this year, uh, just to be able to check it out. If not, I'd probably check it out in a future trip uh, later in the year. Now, I was out at the uh, Walt Disney World Resort in early March, and you'll be hearing more from that podcast through a bunch of audio I recorded. Uh, but one of the things I didn't mention at any point during the uh, podcast that I recorded is that uh, the magic, the memories, and you, the projection on Cinderella's castle of uh, various photo pass pictures that are taken throughout the day, is absolutely remarkable. So what happens is you go into any location where there's a photo pass photographer, and there's a chance that if your picture's taken your picture will wind up on the wall of Cinderella's castle at some point during the evening. Now, I'm not sure exactly what I expected when I saw this, but it was really, really amazing. Uh, the projections are crystal clear, they're very large, and they're on a screen facing Main Street, and you can see them from different angles. It's really pretty remarkable, and you can see them from a fair distance. So I'd say that, once again, Disney has astounded me with their leap in technology. So if you're out in the parks and you get uh, snapped by a PhotoPass photographer, there's always the chance that you will have your picture shown up on Cinderella's Castle at the end of the evening. So look forward to that the next time you take a trip to the Walt Disney World Resort and head into the Magic Kingdom. Disney is launching a new web series called Destination Disney with the Travel Channel's Samantha Brown. The plan is to bring you closer to the uh, Disney cruise ship uh, that's just launched. But I have to imagine that Disney is about to embark on, and pun intended here, uh, a new web presence will be, they will be self-promoting in other ways than the traditional video that you can get by uh, ordering the, the uh, park planning DVD. I think there's going to be more direct marketing based on their website, and I'm sure that Disney is going to take some, of, some other celebrities and other people that are on the Disney Channel and other people that are spokespeople for Disney and have them show up in some of these Destination Disney videos throughout the uh, Disney.com website and the family of websites that exist there. I suspect that uh, Disney is going to take this as a non-traditional marketing approach to be able to give people more right there from your computer at home and see more about the Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland and the other parks around the world. 
The new interactive graveyard and hitchhiking ghosts opened at the Haunted Mansion in the Magic Kingdom in recent weeks. I got a first-hand look at the interactive queue, and it was really, really cool. I was totally impressed. Now, I've actually started something that's a YouTube channel. You can find me on YouTube as Dave's Disney View, and I'm going to be uploading more videos over time of different things that I see around the Walt Disney World Resort. I've got a bunch of videos that I need to parse through and actually get uploaded. But right now, you can see the interactive queue. You can see some monorail videos that I've shot and a few other things, that uh, a few other uh, nice little things that I've got out there. And you're welcome to go and look at any of them. As I say, it's Dave's Disney View on YouTube. Just give it a look and uh, see what you think. And I hope you enjoy it. Now, there are a few rumors floating around Walt Disney World that I wanted to share with you. We start with a rumor that the queue at Peter Pan will be getting an interactive makeover in the coming months. Now, given that wait times can soar to over 90 minutes, I think this is going to be great. Now, what they are not going to be addressing is the fact that the queue is over 90 minutes. And the reason the queue is over 90 minutes is because of the ride vehicles that they have on the Peter Pan ride. If you look at the ride vehicles, you realize it's only two, maybe three people that can sit in each car. The cars come around at a regular interval. Similar to the way I've talked about the Dumbo ride in the past, where there's only two riders per car, this is a problem that they've got with uh, capacity on this particular attraction. Now, it may turn out that they, at some point, not now, but it may turn out in the future that they want to uh, augment the ride vehicles and maybe put four passengers per car, in which case they could uh, increase the throughput significantly. But for the moment, it's going to stay at two, and uh, so what they're going to do is improve the queue instead. Now, the queue, the way it works today, if you get in line and you're waiting in that 90 minutes, a large portion of your time is actually waiting on the outside of the ride, and there's really nothing happening there. You kind of go off to the right, and you're headed toward the bathrooms uh, in the uh, Fantasyland area, and you just kind of snake back and forth on that area, and there's really nothing happening there. It's a pretty boring queue. Now, on my recent trip, I did go over to the, uh, the Pooh ride, and unfortunately, I had gotten a fast pass for it, and I missed the interactive queue. But I did take some time and kind of look at the interactive queue as I was uh, walking through the attraction, and it looks really, really cool. I mean, there's a lot of interactive elements there. It looks like a lot of fun. The uh, honey walls are really spectacular that you can sit there and kind of play with the honey walls. And in a sense, I was kind of sad that I didn't stand in the queue because I would have liked to have played with all the things in there just a little bit more. Now, if that's the kind of thing they have in mind for the Peter Pan ride, I think this is going to be phenomenal. I think it'll make the, wor the, the wait worthwhile. In fact, it would be almost as much fun to wait in the line, in the queue, as it would to actually ride the attraction if they have a lot of interesting things there. And that kind of takes me back to what I was just saying about Pooh. I was kind of sad that I didn't stand in the queue because, you know, with that many interesting things, it's almost worthwhile. It almost makes an, att an attraction unto itself, in which case that makes the Peter Pan ride more exciting too. So if they do put in an interactive queue, I'll be curious to see what kinds of elements they put in there, what kinds of things they do to make it more interesting for the guests who are standing in line. And something else I noticed, just sort of an observational thing as I was passing by, the queue for the Pooh ride looked shorter most of the times I passed by than any other time I had been by, been by it before. And I suspect that the interactive queue had something to do with it. Because it's an attraction unto itself, people are kind of planning a little bit differently. So you take some of the pressure off the fast pass, you get into the, into the attraction a little bit at a little bit different pace, so people are kind of planning around the event of going into the queue. And so it may change the attraction wait times and make it a little more interesting. So on the whole, the whole thing becomes better. And I think that is pretty cool. You know, remember that Disney actually created the fast pass as a means to get people out of line, and the original intent was to get people to spend more money in their different merchandise shops. 
But it really didn't work out that way. So what Disney is trying to do is rethink the whole process. Sure, there will still be FastPass, but what could we do to make the experience a little more interactive and interesting, and therefore maybe get people to start thinking about things and be in a happier mood and be in, be in a better place, and potentially spend more money when they exit the attraction. I'm okay with that. That that strikes me as the right way to approach it because you're really still making for a very good guest experience and really making it enjoyable. Our second rumor is that there's a rumor about the Enchanted Tiki Room, that it will be restored to its original show, possibly with a few new elements to make it fresh. The proposed timeline I've heard at this point is to open in late summer, so stay tuned for updates on what's going to happen around that one. Now, I have to say that I didn't like the Tiki Room under new management, really didn't care for it at all. I liked the original Tiki Room. It kind of captured Walt's vision, especially since there was the bird that was the original idea for his audio animatronics. And it just sort of captured the moment there of what that was all about. And I really kind of liked that. I really enjoyed what it was and the whole Tiki Room experience. Yeah, it was kind of cheesy and sort of, you know, 1950s, 60-ish and audio animatronics weren't all that great. You know, there really wasn't, the technology really wasn't there and there'd never really been any thought put into improving it or making changes to it. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And when they made it the under new management, it just seemed kind of, I don't know, cheap to me. It seemed like a cop-out uh, that they were just trying to integrate Iago and Zazu into the storyline, and they kind of took away from what it originally was. So I'll be curious to see what they do, how they change it, and what they, what they make it next. I'd be okay with the revised version of it as long as it still keeps your, keeps your imagination interested and makes it interesting in some way. Now, the other piece to it is Gilbert Gottfried has had his uh, run-ins recently and his... Uh, different incidents, different issues. So Gilbert Gottfried has been um, released from his contract uh, as the Aflac uh, duck. And I have to believe Disney is very sensitive to these things, and they probably don't want to have uh, much connection with him as far as Iago goes. So I have to believe, at least think anyway, that they probably wouldn't be bringing back Iago anyway. So we'll see where this one goes, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if they bring it back to a origin, more original version, maybe something with more... Uh, unique audio animatronics that uh, make it a little more interesting or some more interactive show elements that make it uh, a little bit more compelling. I imagine that with technology the way it is today, they could really come up with something very clever and creative and make it a lot more interesting than they had originally intended. And finally, in the rumor department, there's an interesting story about the Universal, Universal Studios property up the street. Uh, in 2000, Universal sold the property to the Blackstone Group, and they're a, a theme park management company. And it's through a licensing agreement that they were uh, able to sell it off. So they're running it as Universal Studios, but it's actually the Blackstone Group that runs it. Now, Blackstone is a huge player in the Orlando market, if you're not aware of this. Blackstone actually owns the SeaWorld property, the Busch Gardens property, and will own the new Legoland Park that's opening uh, about 20 minutes north of Disney World. And we'll talk about the Legoland property on another podcast. But Blackstone, as a result of owning those other properties, is a major player in the area. Now... The rumor at this point is that Blackstone wants to sell. And at this point, they've offered up 50% of the Universal property back to Comcast slash NBC slash Universal. I guess through their licensing deal, they had an opportunity to resell it uh, 11 or so years after they purchased it. So they're trying to sell 50% of it back to them. Now, there's a short window for the agreement to be made. And if it's not made, Blackstone is likely to sell the entire property uh, to another entity. So we've heard 
through the grapevine that one possible buyer that might be interested would be the Walt Disney Company. Now, wouldn't that be an interesting twist on things if Disney actually wound up buying the Universal properties? Now, there's no telling if they will or they won't, but it's, it's an interesting thought that may, they may expand through acquisition instead of through actually uh, building. And who knows what that would mean or what would be different about it, you know, for the short term or the long term. But I just thought that was an interesting rumor because Blackstone is obviously a large player and uh, wants to be a large player, but they need some capital. So I'll be interested to see how this kind of plays out. It may turn out that Blackstone continues to own it or uh, NBC Universal Comcast continues to, uh, to purchase what they have uh, and then still would still own the property. But uh, you never know. Now, one other piece of major news from Disney is that they started uh, construction on the Shanghai project. And uh, this will be the sixth version of Disneyland, and it's interesting in many ways, not the least of which is that it's the first major enterprise to start in mainland China. Now, what I find really amazing is the way the world has changed. Now, the history here is really kind of interesting, and if you're a history buff, you're probably aware of it. You know, China was really a closed society for many, many years, and in 1972, Richard Nixon, as the President of the United States, traveled to China and was really able to break down some of the barriers uh, by actually traveling there and meeting with the leader of China and giving some speeches and doing the glad handing. And uh, that's how we actually got into the Panda Exchange Program. That's why you see pandas at some of the zoos in the United States. That was sort of the cultural exchange that we had going on. And it sort of broke down some of the barriers. Now, over the course of the next several years, Disney got an opportunity to go into China and film a Circle Vision movie that you can still see over at the Wonders of China. Now, this movie was one of the first major productions done in China, and it actually so shows China more or less as China was at that point in time. So you get to really get a vision of it, and it's the first... And being the first major production that was done in that way, it really is kind of neat because you get a look into China that really no one had at that point. Now, over the course of the next 30 years, certainly, things have changed a lot. You see a lot more openness. You know a lot more about China than we ever did before. We understand a lot more about what's, what's happening there. We have a workforce there that is actually producing products for our market here in the United States. Um, you know, your, the device you're listening on may have come from China. A lot of interesting things uh, have happened over the course of that period of time. So what I find unique is that now Disney is actually opening a property there that's going to be a Disneyland park in China. And, you know, that 30 years ago, that would have just been an absolute, you know, no way would that ever happen in our lifetime. And now, here it is. And I just think that's really, really remarkable. So that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, feel free to check out all of my podcasts uh, on the uh, RSS feed and over at iTunes. And, uh, you know, for now, keep those emails coming to davesdisneyview at gmail.com and let me know what you think. Um, I'm always happy to hear from uh, other fellow Disney fans. So that's it for this week. I am out. I'll see ya. Most of the music you're hearing on this podcast is from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. Craig does a number of things in the techno space. You can find Craig's music on myspace.com slash sound A as an apple. And my thanks also to Doug over at geekacres.net for his rendition of a Jack Wagner classic. And now we've reached our destination in the 21st century. Yes, I know, it went by so fast. But don't worry, because the future is always in front of us. Thanks for riding with us. Please collect your personal belongings and step onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal yet opposite speeds, so watch your head and step.
If you have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, or would just like to ask Dave a question about Disney planning or anything else, send him an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. And now I gotta be moving along. He's looking for a little more adventure. I'm heading for a little bit of fun now. He's hoping for a little more excitement. Time to be moving along. It's time to be moving along. Time to be moving along.